This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Thanks for joining me again today on another episode of the Patterson Podcast. My guest today has been a member of Patterson Program Support right from the very beginning of when she started the Patterson Program. So I've been able to witness her improvements uh, over the last couple of years, actually. And it's absolutely awesome to have Carrie with us today on this episode. Thank you for joining us, Carrie. Thank you for having me here, Clint. I am so excited to meet you. And likewise, because you've got such a, a wonderful progress uh, update to share with us today. When we first connected online, you were, oh gosh, there was a lot going on for you in your very first post, which I went back to and had a look just before we started this recording so I could uh, be reminded of where you're at when you first, when we came into contact. You have uh, four autoimmune diseases, one Hashimoto's that you'd had for a very long time, and then you'd previously or shortly before joining our group, you had uh, uh, the Hashimoto. Uh, sorry, you had the rheumatoid arthritis added to the mix, lupus, and also one related to kidneys that I'm not as uh, familiar with because it doesn't come up so much. So, why don't you uh, take us back to uh, to well, we're as far back as you wish with regards to your health and lightness as to the sort of things that happened and that you were diagnosed with? All right. Well, I was about 20 years old when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I'm 54 now. And the diagnosis came and I took the additional thyroid medication. And then a few years into it, I had more difficulties, a lot of problems with my voice, with my headaches. Um, it was It was debilitating. And so they did a, I don't know, they just did a, a surgery or not a surgery, but they did a procedure that was the T um, iodine uptake. It was radiated iodine. And so they ablated my thyroid gland. And so uh, they were going to do surgery, but they couldn't because there's the nerve for um, your voice box runs through the middle of your thyroid gland. And the doctor couldn't guarantee that I would still have a voice when he was finished. Wow. And so that put me on to supplemental thyroid medication for life. Yes, right. And, yeah. Gotcha. And, so, and do you take thyroxin? Is that the one that you take? I don't. I take Armour Thyroid, mm -hmm. and it's frowned upon by most of the pharmaceuticals, but it's the one that uh, assimilates best in my body. And so it's a natural thyroid. Wow. Interesting. Okay. And uh, for those few listeners or viewers who have this condition of Hashimoto's, did you find for a period of time that you were making a comparison between that medication and uh, thyroxin and found that it worked better? Or did you go by the numbers that you were getting each, uh, each time you had your thyroid tested? How did you decide it was best for you? Well, it, it was the doctors that were deciding at first, and I went through a number of different thyroid medications. I was put on Synthroid, 
Um, and I let the doctor know I was feeling very poorly. And that particular doctor, um, he was also the one that did the radiated iodine treatment. And he said, do what I say or find a new doctor. And so I had two very little girls at the time and I needed to find a new doctor. So that's what I did. And, um, it got, it got better from there. We tried a couple of other things, but settled on the armor thyroid. Okay. So, uh, how, how has your life been affected in a way that you can observe by not having thyroid function and taking the medication since that all happened. I mean, I know it's hard to say how you would be otherwise because we only have our our own existence. We don't know how we would be otherwise. But I mean, were otherwise you feeling that your body was behaving normally for those years prior to when we got in contact a couple of years ago? No, it wasn't. No, it was. I had reached a homeostatic place, and so I was comfortable enough. Um, and high enough levels of the armor thyroid, but there's a varying um, degrees that take place with the Hashimoto's. Some of them affect the autoimmune affects the T3, some of the autoimmune affects the T4, and some autoimmune um, affects both levels. And you you need the T3 to be transferred into T4. That's the best, most efficient use in your body, from what I understand. And so gradually over the years, the levels of medication I needed were increasing. And so I needed more. Right, right, right. And is there a maximum dose of the thyroid meds that you found work best for you that you were approaching? I was at four grains of armor thyroid, which is 240 milligrams. It's a high dose. But somewhere in there, the pharmaceutical companies changed the composition of the medication. And so a lot of people showed symptoms of hypothyroidism again, and they had to increase. And that was written off in little tiny print in little tiny pamphlets. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. So that threw a little bit of a spanner in the works too, as you're thinking, why now is it not as effective as it was before? Then you've made that discovery and so forth and had to adjust. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you've had the Hashimoto's and you've had the medication providing necessary function to your body that the thyroid would normally create uh, for many years. And then let's pick it up now a couple of years ago when you've you've developed symptoms for rheumatoid arthritis and, and some other health conditions. Talk us through that. Okay. Well, It had been brewing for a few years. Um, I had aches, pains, pretty severe pains. I even went to the emergency room at one point thinking I had broken my toe or my foot or something because of the pain. Um, And um, couldn't, I thought I kicked a ball for a dog and, you know, broke my foot, but it was, it was just arthritic pain that was brushed away because of the thyroid condition. So they figured, oh, you could just have gout. It's probably the thyroid impact. You'll be all right in a few weeks. So we ignored that for a couple of years. And then the hip pain started. And the hip pain was was pretty drastic, pretty bad. But again, I tried to justify it with, we have a lot of walnut trees here at our place. So bending over and picking up walnuts every fall. and, And what it turned out to be was just that there was a lot less activity as I went into the fall and winter months of the year. 
and summer months were very active. And so that would keep things feeling better. Interesting. This was uh, now into August of 2000. Uh, I believe it would be 16. And they did blood work. I was feeling worse. And I went to see the doctor and it was, the pain was keeping me from walking. It was horrid. I woke up one morning and couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't even turn and roll from my shoulders. They were just, everything was locked. And um, so I was able to get up. Eventually, my husband had to pull my shoulders back and help me get up. And, you know, then I started moving and I thought, wow, I just must have pulled something in the garden. But I saw the doctor and she did some blood work and and thought it probably is rheumatoid arthritis. But the numbers were indicated in for some other things. And she didn't feel comfortable making the diagnosis completely. So referred me to a rheumatologist. And so in the meantime, I started looking at all kinds of supplements and taking anything I could get my hands on, spending a small fortune, um, like many of us have done. Hmm. And uh, I got to October of 2017, October 12th, and my body came to a grinding halt. I was driving to work. It was early morning, and I just simply couldn't go any further. Um, it, I felt like I was having a heart attack and mm. we pulled off. Uh, my husband was in the truck with me and we pulled off at some friend's house at six 30 in the morning and they were so dear and they helped us. You know, I got water, I used the restroom and then, then I decided to go home, but we weren't even able to make it home. My husband pulled off and called the ambulance. Wow. And so it turned out though, it was the kidneys and we didn't know that the kidneys were involved in such a manner. And it was explained later that the kidney function had gone down to 23%. Uh, When you get to 15%, then you're put on dialysis. Wow. And so it was getting close, but there's also an exchange, a gas exchange that doesn't take place when the kidneys aren't functioning. And so the feeling of having a heart attack or not being able to breathe was real. That Mm. exchange wasn't happening. Mm. And so that's what took place. But in the meantime, I had to wait still for the appointment for the rheumatologist. (laughs) (laughs) And they're in in high demand around here. There's not enough of them. And so um, fortunately, that appointment had been made a couple of months previous. So I was able to get in two days later. Oh, thank goodness. Two days later. Yep. Right. Days later. And so the emergency room sent me, I got into the rheumatologist and then I went to um, the renal specialist shortly after that. And they drew all their own blood work. They wanted to use their own labs and not just the emergency room labs. And yeah. so there was a follow-up appointment and on online, I'm sure you have that too. We have like a patient portal where you can see your labs after the doctor has reviewed them and and I was looking at numbers of, of lab work that I sure didn't know what they meant, but it looked like there were a lot of red flags. And so when I went to the follow-up appointment, this wonderful doctor was so sincere. You know, we're facing at opposite angles. He's on his computer and he's typing and looking at lab work and I'm looking at him. And, and he was mentioning high numbers, rheumatoid, lupus vasculitis. And I said, yeah, which one is it? And he said, not one, three. And I said, 
three. And he said, don't freak out. (laughs) I said, well, I'm not, but I'm just wondering which one is it? And he said, it is all three. And so it was all three diagnoses to top off the, the Hashimoto's. And anyhow, he, they couldn't prescribe anything because my kidneys were in acute state of failure. And so he needed me to see the kidney specialist before he could prescribe something. And um, I think he did offer to give me, there was one medication, I never took it. And so he just said it, it could be helpful in the meantime. But my body has always been very sensitive to any of the meds and supplements that we were taking. So I opted to not take that. Right. I actually went to seize candy afterwards and ate candy <laughs> after that appointment. Why not? Right. <laughs> now, so, let, me, let me get this straight. So I'm um, just to confirm a couple of the uh, thoughts that some people are having. So just to confirm that because the kidney is so crucial in the metabolization uh, and detoxification of the medications that are normally used for these for these conditions, and your kidneys were so uh, compromised, no medication was suitable for you to go on to actually try and suppress the rheumatoid arthritis and the lupus, right? Correct. Okay, so you're in a position here where you've got these autoimmune conditions which are being, um, you know, you're being made aware of, but no one wants to do anything because they're so afraid of the kidneys. Okay, so I remember that, and I'm excited for the next little bit of information, well, shortly when you get into your kidney journey, because I remember watching it online. It's exciting. So uh, let's continue your story, and I'm looking forward to when things start turning the corner because... uh, uh, as a little bit of a spoiler to everyone, they most certainly do. So let's let's continue this 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 adventure. Well, uh, they were finally able to give me methotrexate. They assigned that to me and prescribed it to me in November. Mm-hmm. And so they they actually were physically the two doctors on the phone together. Can she take it? Are the kidneys going to handle it? I think they have. They've improved enough. Let's go for it. They were like to thirty four percent. And so they said, yes, we see increases. Let's, let's try it. And I, I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't put on my shoes. I couldn't zip my pants. I couldn't put my coat on. I mean, I was in dire straits at that point and still managing to go to work. And so I started taking methotrexate and the first dose was hideous. It, it made me so sick and it, it made everything feel worse. And I thought it's got to be in my head. And so, um, and we were told it would take, you know, three to four, five weeks for it to reach its potential. And so religiously, I took it. The doctor advised to take it on the weekend night and I work a four day week. And so Thursday nights I took methotrexate and it would take the three day weekend to recover, to be able to get to work. Uh, We increased folic acid. And then I finally asked for Zofran. I mean, my head was spinning, I was vomiting. And so I needed something just to function in daily life. So they gave me Zofran happily. And I took that about three or four times daily. And then in December, my kidney function was improving still. And then it suddenly plummeted. And so then not only were the kidneys in failure, but my liver was in failure. And so they 
they mm. immediately called and said in January, stop taking methotrexate. Okay. And I was so relieved. Oh, right. So, you were happy. <laughs> <laughs> very happy. Yeah. So my last, my last dose of methotrexate was on January 12th. And I started the Patterson program on January 13th. And so here comes January 13th and these massive, and that's, that's the recipe measurement, right? Massive green juices of um, yeah. the celery and cucumber juice. Yeah, very technical. So, yep, very technical. And we filled quart jars with it and started the program. And I felt immediate relief. I mean, it was wonderful relief. And then the kidneys started screaming again. So then there was a balance to find how much of the liquid intake and the phosphorus and potassium that I that I could could handle metabolize. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So how did you go? Talk us through it. So, uh, uh, so now just just sorry, I just want to say before that this is a this is a, not the ideal time, of course, to start the program is when you've just stopped a medication because if we're trying to ascertain how much improvements we've made from the program, yet we've just stopped a strong drug like methotrexate, then the methotrexate is going to fade away from our body whilst we're ascertaining the improvements on the program. And then we can start to become disappointed with the improvements we're making as the methotrexate leaves our body and reveals the true state of scenario. So um, I um, just wanted to put that out there as well to people who are trying to get their timings right. Always it's going to cloud results if we've just changed meds right before starting. So with that in mind, how did it go despite coming off the methotrexate? Well, despite it, first I was I was a reluctant um, <laughs> believer to start with. It was my husband who found the program and said, you know, let's give it a try. And so in my mind, I said, I'll try it maybe for a month. Yeah. You know, we'll see, we'll see. And um, but it was immediate results. And so I had the methotrexate dose and starting the program, and then stopped taking the medication. Um, and about February, mid February, a month into it, I was doing very well, um, walking better, um, less pain, still not able to pull my boots up or zip up my coat, but I was getting better function, independence. And we went to a family celebration and, you know, it was the first time out away from our little home cocoon of preparing our own foods, but we took everything with us and thought, well, we'll try, um, a mushroom, a special mushroom. I forgot the name of them right now. It <laughs> <laughs> starts with a P. <laughs> Those big mushrooms, <laughs> you know, for portobello? using like a Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. So a portobello mushroom. And so we had those. And the next day I was very inflamed and could hardly walk. And, and we had a six-hour drive home and didn't we didn't make connections. It turns out mushrooms um, are not friends with your kidneys. Oh. And so I was eating little mushrooms and had a couple of big ones. And so finally realized that that's a no go. And so there was a lot of up and down with the kidneys and the, um, the renal doctor wanted to, he wanted to do a kidney biopsy. He wanted to know if it was anca vasculitis attacking and causing the death of a kidney or not. And he needed to know 
But he also said that it was a very dangerous in my state, especially biopsy to take. So three punctures to each kidney would show them what they needed to know. And I said, let's wait. Let's yeah. see how we're doing. And, you know, I, I feel really good. There's been a lot of changes. Let's just wait. So there was a lot of blood work. And even one day, uh, I just the blood got work goosebumps. Was- I just actually just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. The one, one day, the blood work was so bad. I had gone in the morning to his office and mm. he called on the phone and he said, you've got to come back. And it's an hour drive to the hospital yeah. to get another test. And so we went back and it wasn't as bad as he had thought, but it was still not good news. But he was willing to work with me. and He was just wonderful. He listened. He was willing to work. He said his preference was biopsy, but let's let's see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So then, you know, you can't you have to keep note this. The forum that you have developed is is marvelous. It's a miracle. And there's so many people on there with so much information and everybody has a tidbit to offer or a huge story to offer. And if we spend the time on the forum, we can glean all this information. Well, one of our forum friends, Andy from the UK, showed this charming video of Mangji growing mung bean sprouts. And apparently my body loves mung bean sprouts, all the micronutrients in them. And I started growing them. I was growing them by the bushel. I would carry them back and forth to work. They needed to be watered and cared for. The children in my classroom would help water and it's time every three hours. And so there were big changes. And then another forum friend um, had that fun hat, Foxy, and it ended up at my in my house and I needed to put it out in its proper environment. And so I wanted to um, go out on the river, but I didn't know if I, my hands could hold the oars. I didn't know if I could row. I didn't know if my shoulders could handle it, but the Foxy pushed it and it made me go out. It, It was the motivation to try. And sure enough, it was possible. It was more than possible. And that ended up being a, a really wonderful exercise for me through the summer of 2017. Now that is whitewater rafting, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So you hadn't been doing that prior, but then I think it's Cherie that might've been the the creator of our little uh, uh, mascot that did the, did the world tour for a little while there. But um, in any case, you've received this hat as a bit of a fun thing we had going on in our group and you've put it on. You thought, I'm going to go out on the river and get the photo taken and you found that you could actually get some some um, some pretty good mobility going that you previously couldn't, yeah? Correct, yeah. So I did that and then ended up spending a lot of the summer getting out on the river as much as possible, either in the boat and rowing or going down to the river to swim and swim in the cool water. And the cool water felt wonderful on cranky ankles and feet, feet that felt like walking on marbles, you know, that that feeling. And so... The river element being outside, it all helped a lot. Absolutely awesome. Okay. So now I remember you would post regular updates inside the forum about your kidney function percentage, and we would all anxiously await and you would post a number. Now, talk us through how those numbers changed over the subsequent months and 
I know my order here is a little bit off, but but the 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 rowing, just to step back into the rowing, is so great for not just the shoulders and the back, but it also just helps blood flow through the elbows and through the hands and wrists and fingers. And so any motion where our shoulders are going back and forth, which is a very natural motion like running or walking, which you can imagine is probably the most natural movement for the human body. And if we just take that and add a little weight to that uh, and something like rowing, whitewater rafting, I mean, that's, that's just wonderful. So you've benefited a lot by then being able to exercise. So we often have this situation where we're, we're kind of um, feeling that we're doing everything we can and yet it's only when our body is sufficiently capable of physically exercising then we actually step up onto a totally different platform as opposed to being in third place standing on the podium. Now we're in third place because all we do is just eat right. But when we can exercise right or get into exercise, we then step up into second place. And then when we exercise, eat right, reduce stress, get our supplements right and get our medications right so we're not on any of the ones like pregnisone and painkillers and stuff, then we step right up onto first place. So awesome. So you've got all this going on. So I just wanted to share that. Tell us about the the kidney numbers and also everything else that you were getting measured. I'm sure you're getting C-reactive protein measured. How did things change over the months after that? Well, this, the SED rate and the CRP started a slow, slow decline. Um, and they dropped down. I think the lowest was the CRP or the SED rate was at to 40. And the CRP, the lowest now is down to 17. Mm-hmm. And so those are good, good numbers. And Probably about three months after taking methotrexate, I had some spikes in pain, but the the mung beans and the river rowing definitely made a big difference. Hot summer weather gets very hot here in the summertime, and all of those things combined made a big difference. And then I guess a slow, steady decline in inflammation uh, to the point where a year ago at this time, just about a year ago, I I was feeling terrific. Uh, The thyroid function was great. There was, I had so much energy, you know, I have the morning stiffness that still hasn't gone away, but I have just the ability to practically run out the back door and down the steps. And, you know, it would take me three minutes to get out the back door before. So there's been a lot of huge changes and the foods, the foods are good. I mean, the palate changes. I had a, a conversation with one doctor, the naturopath, about two months into the program. And I I was pretty grumbly and I don't typically act that way, but I was, or it was noticeable to her. And and I wrote on the forum what she said to me. And she told me um, that I needed to make peace with my food because if this was the route I'm taking, make peace with your food. And I was really surprised to hear those words, but they were powerful and they impacted and she was right. And so it was like, stop complaining. The food is the gift. The food is the medicine. (laughs) So that's, that's what I did. Yeah, that's lovely. What a great naturopath. Instead of saying, you know what, you should be doing this in this and you should be buying this supplement from me and then I need to see you every week. So, you know, what, what great, what great commentary from that naturopath. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely pleased to hear that. Okay, great. So you've often posted pictures um, out on the river, uh, you know, over the past, you know, six months in particular, and your husband has created some nice little videos of you out rowing as well. What does your day-to-day look like now? I know you've got your 
professional job as a teacher, but you also have this um, hustle as well or side venture as your um, uh, instructor for whitewater rafting, which must be exhilarating and fun and rewarding. What does it, rather than a day, I suppose, what does a week look like for you now and how does it feel and is it rewarding? Well, it's absolutely rewarding. I'm no longer uh, doing it professionally. So we had our own business, whitewater rafting, but we retained a lot of the equipment and it's it's in our blood. I've been doing it since I was a young person. And so we would go out until we've had these dreadful forest fires and it's filled the entire valley and even closed the river. Wow. We would go out three or four times a week to either swim in the river or to row on the water and either one. And it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, some of the beaches are big, lumpy, rocky beaches. And so the ankles are moving all over the feet, the toe, everything has to work together. And I would swim rounds for maybe 300 yards and get out of the water and walk back up and do it again. And starting out, I was able to do two rounds. And before they closed the river, I was able to do four rounds. And so just a constant increase. Um, and then we have a small, a small farm and a large garden on the farm. So we harvest a lot of the food. And so I work out there. Um, Monday, I was out there for three hours. Today, I was out there for an hour, oh, just either awesome. weeding or or picking or hauling in different foods and then um, working to preserve it for the winter months coming ahead. And it, most of it can last us through the, the year. So we can harvest and, and preserve about two thirds of what we eat for part of the year. And then it shifts and upside down and maybe about a third of what we eat is still from the garden and the farm. That's fantastic. Yes. You have some posted some wonderful pictures of your massive garden too. You've got quite yeah. the, Quite the uh, expanse of uh, produce that's coming out of there. Are you still growing your own mung beans? Um, I haven't been growing them this summer. It's too hot right. and they, they go bad too quickly, but there's plenty of other, <laughs> you know, good greens to eat out in the garden. Yeah. So I'll go out and pick a handful of, of Asian greens, pop joy, kale, baby beet greens or whatever it is and stuff the blender full of those and then put a banana and blackberries in it and, and blend it up. I've had a few wild flavors. Some of the greens <laughs> have more of a mustard taste or a horseradish taste. And so yeah. horseradish with banana and blackberry isn't as tasty, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's still good for the body. Yeah. It's interesting how the, um, you know, the different greens have different tastes and also based on their, their soil that they're growing in. Um, the author of Green Smoothie Revolution, whose name is uh, Victoria Butenko, she came to Australia one time to give some talks well before I ever got sick and, and started paying attention to health. And she documents in her book that when she came to Australia, she, she was absolutely amazed at how the Swiss chard, as it's called here, and I, I, I think it's, no, Swiss chard's what it's called in the States, and it's called silver beet here. Um, it's the same thing, but uh, here the silver beet or Swiss chard, she said, had extraordinary mineral taste, uh, had such rich, strong flavor in its leaves because of the, uh, the minerals that it was growing in. And it's just interesting how, um, you, know, you know, a plant's just not a plant. It's, it's the outcome, just like we are, of the environment in which it grows. And so, you know, th this is uh, interesting, interesting to, to chat about. 
So it is biodynamics. <laughs> yeah. How, tell yeah. it. Talk me through your. Um, first of all, talk me through your kidney situation. I'd like to know how that is and how the correspondence has been also with the doctor on that first. Okay. So the kidney last results I have are from March. And it's time for a drum roll on that one because the kidney function was up to 85%. Oh 85% was remarkable. And I, I know I can tell in my body there's ups and downs, but I think that the, the ripple effect is at a higher level. Maybe it peaks down to 50 instead of 30 or 20s. But there's the high level so far has been 85%. And at the time, you know, they... They thought that they wouldn't heal. They thought that we were losing kidneys. So this was really wonderful news. And that comes just from the program. The Patterson yeah. program has done that. Yeah. So tell me, um, how do you, uh, with the kidney function, March, as we're recording this, it's now um, August. Are you due for another test? Or do you feel that, like I am with my C-reactive protein, I feel like I used to be able to guess my C-reactive protein to within like one or two decimal points, right? So I used to be, I used to know how my body felt so, so accurately that I could predict my C-reactive protein before I got the results back. Do you feel that you have that same level of connection with your kidneys so that you don't need another test at the moment? Or I am, uh, how are you feeling with regards to, you know, getting it tested regularly and how it feels, say, at the moment compared to three months ago? I think I feel pretty confident with just not having to have it tested as often. And and for a while, I was having it tested every week and sometimes every four days. And it was up and down, up and down. And I truly felt like we were chasing worries. And I understand the doctors needed to do that. It's data. It's all numbers. They need to collect it. They need to see what it's doing. But it was my body. And I thought, there's not a lot of change. And I feel okay and so right now I'll have it checked once a year. And if I feel poorly, I would go in immediately and have it checked. Yeah. What does the specialist say about your progress with your kidneys without having to have had the intervention that he wanted? Well, he said, and he was really quite wonderful. Um, he said, keep doing what you're doing because it's working. And the rheumatologist, he was worried because there was no medication being taken and he did offer other medications that maybe wouldn't be as hard on the, the kidneys or maybe not as hard on the liver. But what he offered, they were options I didn't want to have. And, and one of them was even the medication goes in and it, it destroys your DNA. And when you stop taking it, you have to take another medication to have that drug stop the effects or it will continue. And those alternatives were pretty frightening. And so he told me that he's trained to prescribe medicine and he doesn't know about diet. He doesn't know the effects of diet. And so he only knows what his training is. But he said, you know, what's happening right now is working, but he doesn't know that it will continue to work. And that's where it stopped. And then he ended up leaving the practice and he took another job somewhere else and I didn't seek out another rheumatologist yet. Yeah. Well, as long as your numbers for C-reactive protein and SED rate continue to drop month to month, then if that were to continue over many more months, then the need for a rheumatologist who, as you say, 
is just going to offer pharmaceutical options to you may diminish. So let's just keep working and uh, get those numbers down. Have you got someone who you can get to uh, give you the referrals to get your blood done each month? Right. Yes, I do. So the the local uh, naturopath can do that for me. Awesome. One thing we did try early midstream there was um, I tried CoQ10. It's supposed to help clear the blood of creatinine. It's supposed to be really great. And it was, it's an immune stimulator. And it was a tough lesson to learn, another supplement. But um, when we stimulate the immune system for these autoimmune diseases, it makes them go haywire. They they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of reaction that way. And so truly the, the food and finding out which food and which juices. I mean, I never stop drinking the juices twice a day. The juice makes a big difference. The food makes a difference. The food has become the medicine. Yes. And just for folks who just want to clarify, what are your ingredients for your magic juice? <laughs> it's evolved, but now the magic <laughs> juice, and it's a, usually about eight ounces. It's not a much larger, but twice a day. And I'm, it has celery and at this time of year, cucumber, um, carrot, a little apple. There's ginger, sometimes beets, and sometimes turmeric. Uh, beautiful. Okay. Yeah, nothing too wild and wonderful in there. All of the nice staples, especially with the celery cucumber, which, of course, is our starting point for everyone on the program. And you've found that your body does just fine with a little bit of simple sugars in there from the apple and and uh, carrot, which breaks down to basically sugar once, uh, once it's had its fiber removed, which is fine. I mean, the body wants sugar. We run off glucose. So um, nothing wrong with that as long as you're exercising, which you are, and um, not having a overgrowth of bacteria in your upper intestine, which is not reacting to the simple sugars. So you're doing great. Nothing wrong with that. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. We haven't talked about the lupus. Now, I know we're coming to the end of our our story and our chat here, Um, but could you give us an idea of how the symptoms of lupus have played out in your body and have changed, if at all, over the last couple of years? Well, the, the lupus has gotten um, very little attention, and so it only gets attention when there's been symptoms. And so maybe last December, I had Nove- November, it started um, surprising symptoms. I Neurologically, my, my leg wouldn't move. My brain would say move, and it wouldn't move. And it was brought on by, by stress and fatigue, but the, that was very noticeable. And so if I have the closest inkling of an idea that something's going to happen, I just have to be at home and rest. And so that's about the only attention that it's gotten with the the other diseases going. And the rheumatologist said at the time, anything that we would do for rheumatoid arthritis is the same thing we would do for lupus. And so we'll just treat it all the same. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. All right, so let's let's share some tips. Let's give Carrie's tips, and I, I've put you on the spot. I haven't asked you to do this or prepare this, but perhaps we can talk about some of the things that you find crucial to maintaining your health improvements. And another way to think about this is what would frighten you the most if they were taken away? Well, um, I would be afraid to not have 
sauerkraut or some kind of fermented food. Mm -hmm. And so we, we make that fermentation. I didn't, didn't do well after a while with the probiotic in a bottle. We we've got to have the juice every day. You know, that juice is really important. And I know a lot of people like to use a green smoothie once that gets going and I'll do the same thing, but the juice really keeps the pain down. So I need to have the juice and, um, then just a variety a, a small pool. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be, you know, gourmet appeal. It just has to be well-prepared and wholesome food. And so looking for a shortcut with a some kind of a processed or packaged food is not going to help. And if I had to depend on a packaged food, I wouldn't be able to eat very much. I, I actually wouldn't eat it. I would just want a whole food. And so the the plant-based whole foods is really what we have to have. And if all we can eat is a potato, then take that potato and, and put a little salt if you like salt on it and, and be happy with that. But our, our taste buds do change. They, they evolve once we get rid of whatever we've been used to. And I think that the whole foods would be the scariest thing to lose. I love oatmeal now. I wasn't able to eat it before and I can eat it now. I a big bowl of it with berries or peaches or whatever's ripe at the time, sliced into it or put into it fresh. Um, and we spend a lot of time freezing things so that it's still ready for the oatmeal. Okay, that is, that's wonderful. And what about um, how emotionally and from a happiness level have things changed over the last few years? Well, it's, it's really interesting because, um, you know, when the diseases come on, you don't know what's happening and there's a fear factor in there and, and we change, we go into a protective mode and, and even our personalities change and, and it's noticeable to family and, and friends and people aren't sure what's going on and where did you go? (laughs) And the forum was something that was really this embracing protective mode also. So family was there, you know, just holding us up, holding me up, you know, what do you need? How can we help? And I usually didn't know, but I could go on the forum too and find out suggestions. And so emotionally things are much more stable. Um, the outlook is, is wonderful. I'm reading, I'm reading a book right now called A Course in Miracles, and it's a fabulous book. And again, your program is a miracle. The forum, the members on the forum, they're a miracle. It's just um, emotionally, those are things that really enhance life now. Wonderful. Your husband's been fabulous also, hasn't he? He has been. He, um, he did find the program and he makes the juices every day. So that's it's his job and he's eaten the the same meals every day. His cholesterol dropped from over 300 oh. to 165 in the first two months of being on the program. <laughs> and so that was a big change <laughs> and a wonderful change. So he has, he's just, he's been steady the entire time and encouraging and helping just looking, you know, if the juices were too big. Let's reduce the size. Let's change the ingredients. He's just always looking at it scientifically, and it makes a big difference. Yeah, you can tell how proud he is of you and just how much love he has for you when he runs the commentary over the videos that you've <laughs> shared with us online um, because, you know, he 
you know, the way he makes his small comments over the videos is it's almost like, you know, you can, he's almost beaming, you know, you can tell that he's just so proud of how far you've come. And it's almost look at what she can do now. And here she is. (laughs) And this is a class 400 rapid and here she's pushing through, you know. (laughs) Yeah. He's seen it all and he's been here for the worst of the worst. And, you know, (laughs) <laughs> he's seen the ugliest part of everything and, and picking pieces up. And uh, my two daughters have seen similar, but nobody's seen the darkest days like he's had to see. And, and so it's been wonderful. Yeah. It's certainly uh, a unique challenge to have a partner with a chronic health condition and hats yeah. off to anyone who's listening to this, who, uh, who is listening on behalf of their, their loved one who, who has a chronic health condition, because my wife sometimes has said over the years, like, you know, no one understands how hard it is for me. You know, I know you've got the 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 problem, but it's really hard on me too. Don't worry, you know, like really kind of because it never leaves their mind either. It just doesn't um, have the same physical manifestation, but there's an emotional investment that's enormous. And so, yeah, um, hats off to, to everyone who's helped those of us who've struggled over the years. So what's next now for you, Carrie? Um, what's your little or little or big um, plan going forward with your health and, um, and maybe uh, something exciting to look forward to as well, maybe uh, a trip or uh, something else? But first of all, talk about um, what your goals are for the coming months with your health. I think um, slow and steady is the best. So just continue on steadily um, with the program and enjoy the way it comes. In the beginning, I tried to find alternatives to meat and had some pretty dreadful ideas and awful flavors. And and now I have favorites that I like to eat that feel like a celebration. And so that's the way to, to do it. You know, it's a shift. So I... I live in an old farmhouse and I love to cook and um, I have the memories of all kinds of cooking from generations. And so I've just adjusted those, you know, you can't make a a blueberry muffin the way we used to, but we can put applesauce in it for the fats and you've got a blueberry muffin that tastes great. And so different things like that. So I'll continue to work on, you know, cooking kinds of things, but just enjoying just the steadiness of what's happening now. And that's really important to take it as it comes. And um, then to know that the potential is there, we can seize it every day. We can read and reread the book that you've written, the notes that you've written. We can subscribe to the forum and be a part of a community that truly understands and can offer feedback and what if, and did you try and don't forget. kind of tips that are just fantastic. And um, those are all things that are really important. And just to to give back, to continue to give what I have received from you, from the forum, from family, um, from my children, and just offer it back. Well, you've already been doing a lot of that because I've noticed in the last, particularly in the last couple of weeks, uh, you've been absolutely wonderful inside our forum. And, uh, you know, we now have a lot of members. We're over 500 members. And uh, I've seen you pop up on all uh, on multiple different people's journals and encouraging them and asking them if they haven't been on for a week or two, how they're doing and so forth and offering a tremendous amount of encouragement. So um, that takes time 
uh, and it comes from a place of love and caring. So thank you so much uh, for for contributing back so much uh, uh, in our group and also for sharing your story today. And uh, I look forward to you know spending a lot of time with you in the future. And you're in a beautiful part of the world in Oregon. And I have an invitation to uh, speak in Portland at some point in the future. So maybe if I make it into uh, into your state, I'd love to you know, meet you and we could uh, that would be uh, share some sauerkraut together. I'd love to taste some of your, <laughs> your home brew there. You got it. Sauerkraut on the river. <laughs> That's it's a it. plan. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. I'll open the river by then, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's open now. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. So, folks, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this uh, episode of the Patterson Podcast with the wonderful Carrie who has uh, such a gentle and relaxed and uh, lovely nature about her, very caring and and um, and spiritual and warm uh, energy that comes through from her. And uh, she's managed to turn around a terrible kidney situation, get her kidneys uh, functioning uh, on their own well again now, which is just life-changing, as well as uh, continue to improve her rheumatoid and her uh, lupus and Hashimoto. So what an achievement. I mean, you're a, um, on paper, it's the sort of thing that um, a doctor would, uh, would be frowning about and, and, and feeling very grim about the outlook for the future. But in practice and speaking to you, you know, what we're seeing is someone who's vibrant in health and uh, works to their maximum ability to shift the odds in your favor. So congratulations and thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Claire. You've been listening to the Pattison Program. For more information, visit pattisonprogram.com.